0: We're going to talk about work today, which makes sense because it's Labor Day weekend. man told his doctor, he he went in, he complained a little bit, he said, Doctor, I'm just not able to do all the things around the house that that I used to do. And and so the doctor gave him a complete physical and, and examination. And When the doctor came back, the man said, well, Doc, give it to me straight. Tell me in plain English what's wrong with me. I can take it. Tell me the truth. The doctor said, well, in plain English, you're just lazy. (laughs) The man said, okay, now give me the medical term so I can tell my wife. (laughs) Work. It's one of the major topics in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs extols and lifts up the the value and the virtue of diligence in work. Being industrious, being productive, having a good work ethic, being careful and conscientious and faithful and persistent in your work. The opposite of diligence is laziness, procrastination, carelessness, being unproductive, being a sloth. Inactive. In Proverbs, that kind of a person is often called a sluggard. And he's painted with... By the way, that's a word we don't use much. And a sluggard is just a lazy person. Someone who's unproductive. Matter of fact, the only time I think I use that term is when I'm reading through Proverbs and talking about Proverbs. But here in Proverbs, this person is painted in graphic terms, when you come across the term, it's it's usually kind of picturesque and graphic and sometimes it's comical. Solomon deliberately does that so that, so that as he paints this picture of this person, it, it gets our attention and it imprints a picture on our mind that's very visual and hopefully it gets us to laugh a little bit because as we laugh, we agree that the sluggard, the, the description there of him is stupid. It's foolish. And then as we're laughing, we think, oh, wait a minute. Sometimes that's me. <laughs> He's got us right where He wants us. Several great examples in Proverbs. I, I'm just going to go to one and then go to our passage here. This isn't our passage, but over in Proverbs 26, there's several right in a row. Here's one of them. It says, the sluggard says... There's a lion in the in the road. There's a lion in the streets. I know that ministers to you a lot. I could just stop there. We could all go home. His, his point is this. Well, you probably, some of you are on social media a lot or you see it made a lot of the newscast that there was a UPS driver in North Carolina this week who left a note at someone's home. They couldn't deliver a package and it says up there, Bear in Driveway. <laughs> the guy says, there was a bear in the driveway. Good reason not to make a delivery. It went viral on social media because, well, that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> not a normal excuse. And so it went viral because it was probably true. But it's not common, so it's comical. But you see, the sluggard never lacks for an excuse for why a job wasn't done. Or why something wasn't done well. It's too cold. Too hot today. It was raining. Couldn't get my car started. I have a cold. My grandmother died. The dog ate my homework. There's a lion in the streets! See, there's always some excuse. That's the sluggard. Verse 14, the next verse, as the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. (laughs) The only movement of the sluggard is left to right. (laughs) Never getting up vertical. (laughs) He easily turns over bed, goes back to sleep when he should be getting up. Verse 15, the next verse, he says, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish it wears him out to bring it to his mouth. We laugh. Nobody's really that lazy, except the point is that the this lazy man, the sluggard, is often too lazy and lacks the motivation to meet his basic needs. If I'd go out and work, I could get money to eat but Eh, don't feel like it. See, Verse 16, The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. In other words, everyone else around the sluggard looks at him and goes, dude, that guy's problem, you know, you're lazy. (laughs) Your problem is you're always making excuses. Your problem is you sleep too much. You need to get up. Your problem is, but he won't hear any of it. He won't take advice. He won't take input from other people because he's wiser in his own eyes. You see, he's bought all the excuses back a couple of verses ago. I really couldn't do that because there might have been a lion in the road. I really couldn't do that because it was raining. I really did have a cold. And my dog didn't eat my homework, but he meant to. I thought he did. See, that's what a little of what Proverbs has to say about the sluggard. I'll let you go through and read the book, get some more, okay? But this morning we're going to look here in chapter six, and we're going to see from from actually two passages this morning, we're going to see some characteristics of the diligent person. We're going to see some characteristics as well of the sluggard. Hopefully in the process, we're going to learn some reasons why we should pursue diligence and why we should avoid being a sluggard, being lazy, being unproductive. Proverbs 6, verses 6-11. to Follow along as I read. Go to the ant, O sluggard! Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a robber and your want, you're like, like an armed man. Personally, I've wondered as I've read this many times if just maybe Solomon was writing this as his son was a teenager. You can almost hear Dad here. Son! Get up! When are you going to get up? Come on, get out of bed! Oh, Dad! Just a little more sleep. Come on, ten more minutes. Dad! Got it? He says, listen, sluggard, Let's go out and let's look at an ant. Take a lesson from the ant. Think about it a little bit and get wise. And so let's look at the ant. The diligent ant. Four characteristics we can learn here about diligence. About a diligent person from the ant. Some irony, I think, in here. Learn it from an insect. This is so simple, this is so basic, an insect can get it. What about you? One thing to learn here, he says, about this ant. He says, look at the ant. The ant, he says, without having any chief. The ant doesn't have a chief. Why is that significant? Well, because the ant doesn't need instigation. It doesn't require the command of a boss. The command of a chief to say, hey, get up. Get busy. Here's a job. Have you noticed this needs to be done? Get busy doing it. Doesn't need a nagging parent or a nagging spouse to say, grass needs mowing. Hello. See, in other words, in our modern terms, the ant is a self-starter. Doesn't need a chief to say, here's a job, get on it. Second thing he says about the ant has no chief, also has no officer. In other words, he doesn't need an officer, a supervisor, a foreman to come along and follow behind them constantly looking over their shoulders saying, hey, you know, quit daydreaming, get back to work. No, 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 not that way, this way. Come on, do the whole job. Do it right. Doesn't need that kind of follow-up to make sure the job keeps getting done and is well done. In other words, the ant is faithful. The ant is reliable. The ant is dependable. No chief, no officer, and he says, no ruler. In other words, he doesn't need provocation. He doesn't need a kick in the rear. He doesn't need a uh, prod stick, you know, those electronic shock things to get you going. Doesn't need that. No coercion to make sure that the job gets done. In other words, in our way of saying things, the ant is self-disciplined. A self-starter, faithful, reliable, self-disciplined. And then he says of the ant, She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food at harvest. In other words, the ant works at the opportune time. The ant understands that what needs to happen is that food needs to get stored up so that we have food when we need food. And the ant works at the opportune time when you get your picnic basket out and set out the blanket and your picnic baskets, the ants come to work. When you spill the sugar dish, the ants come to work. Right? And so it is, he says, that the ant, in other words, is proactive. The ant anticipates future need. And because of the the future need, the ant takes advantage of the opportunities that are presented and the ant gets to work. That is diligence. Diligence does is a self-starter. Diligence is faithful to get work done and to do it well. Diligence is self-discipline to stay on task and to finish the job. And diligence is proactive. It anticipates needs. It takes advantage of opportunities. The lesson here is that diligence brings blessings. It brings prosperity. When the, when the ant is faithful and does its work, which ants do, the ants are not hungry when the lean times come. When the winter comes, the food is stored up. Prosperity in life generally does not come from some big score. Not from some just wonderful, you know, just great big blessing that just dropped in our lap at the most needful time. That's not what usually happens. We didn't just get lucky. Rather, success generally comes from persistent hard work that takes advantage of opportunities to work and to save. That's why Proverbs says, chapter 10, verse 4, says, diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24, diligent hands will rule. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 4, the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. In other words, rarely does the diligent person go hungry. Rarely is the diligent person in need. Diligence. Tends to have its own reward. And then the diligent ant, he goes on, is contrasted with the inactive man, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and so c- poverty comes on you like a bandit, scarcity or your, your want like an armed man. That same chorus that we find here in chapter 6, we find over in chapter 24 of Proverbs. And I'm going to encourage you to turn over there if you would. Proverbs 24. Because the same chorus is there if we want to put it, liken it to a song, but it has a different verse in front of the chorus. So before we look at the chorus, I'm going to look at the second verse. Proverbs 24. Same chorus, but this different verse is, instead of dealing with an ant, we're going to deal here with a vineyard. Instead of giving a lesson about diligence, it gives us a lesson about laziness. Proverbs 24, verse 30. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a robber, and want like an armed man. The second verse here, the second lesson, is not the diligent ant, but it is about the sluggard's vineyard. Solomon apparently is on a walk, and he passes by the vineyard of a lazy man, the sluggard. A lazy, unproductive man and a man, he says here, who lacks sense. Someone who is foolish, who is careless, who is thoughtless. He goes through life without a thought, without a plan. He's a man who lacks sense. Solomon takes note of the condition of the vineyard. Now whether he knew already that who owned this vineyard, and he knows the guy who owns this vineyard, knows the guy is lazy, knows the guy is a sluggard, and so he's describing... From that standpoint, or whether he just looks at the vineyard and goes, as he thinks about it, this is a vineyard owned by a sluggard. Either way, doesn't tell us. He takes note of the condition. He looks at this vineyard, he notes that there are thorns growing all over the vines. There are grapevines there, but they're covered with thorns. The ground is covered with weeds like my lawn right now. And he says, "The stone wall surrounding it is broken down. It's in ruins." He says, "I looked at it. I considered it, I thought about it, I pondered, I meditated on what I saw, and I learned something." And he gives us some thoughts from the mess. A few things we can learn from this, this mess. We well, you look at it and we can see that lazy people don't plan to be ruined. They didn't decide one day, you know what, I think I'm just going to destroy my life. I think I just want to end life in poverty and ruin. So it doesn't work that way. It's obvious see that that's not the case. Quite the opposite. But he says, by the way, the wrecked garden, it's not intentional. No bulldozer came and knocked the thing down. Nobody set a bomb off in here to destroy it. It wasn't intentional. Lazy people don't plan to be ruined. Lazy people often, instead, the opposite of that, lazy people often have great plans and great dreams. Someone had great dreams here for this vineyard. Somebody planted vines. Not a small task. Somebody created the structures for the vines to grow on. No small task. Somebody before that had to prepare the field. Somebody built up a wall around it, a large stone wall that's designed to protect the vineyard from animals coming through and eating the fruit and from people coming by and stealing the fruit. Somebody had put a lot of time and work of thought into this at some point. It may have been the sluggard himself who at one point had great dreams and visions and built this. Or it may be that someone else did it and he inherited it. Or maybe he had some money and paid somebody to do all the work. Somebody had a great vision and great dreams for this. And often, lazy people have great dreams, great intentions, great desires. Thirdly, we realize as as we look at this that no sudden disaster caused the problem. No tornado came through and wiped out the vineyard. No band of passing marauders came by and stole the stuff and tore it down. No earthquake came and shook down the wall and no weed storm produced weeds. (laughs) It wasn't a sudden calamity that caused this problem. Instead, it was destruction by the littles. Destruction came by the littles. Just a little sleep. Just a little slumber. It came in small increments. It was a dozen not nows. It was several tomorrows. A couple hundred laters, as He idly let opportunity after opportunity after opportunity pass by. Opportunity to fix this. Opportunity to mend that. Opportunity to pull this weed. Opportunity to paint that. Opportunity to prune that vine. Opportunity to till this soil. Opportunity to water that. The opportunities were let go for just a little, a little sleep. A little more time of relaxation. A little more time of comfort. A little more time of recreation. Another hour on social media. Another couple hours of video games. I know I'm getting too close to home for some of us. He was doing other things rather than what needed to be done. It was the accumulation of procrastination that brought destruction. It was procrastination upon procrastination upon procrastination and suddenly there was disaster except it wasn't suddenly. It was over time. The loss was devastating. The the, the the net result was just as devastating, it says here, as if a robber came through and stole everything he had. The devastation was just as bad as if a marauding band of thieves had come through and had pillaged and plundered and stolen and destroyed. So the lesson is that laziness brings destruction. And this principle applies Not just to vineyards and gardens, but it applies to homework, schoolwork. It applies to term papers, as I speak from experience. It applies to jobs. It applies to car maintenance. It applies to parenting. It applies to marriage relationships. See, when we sacrifice what needs to be done and ought to be done for what we desire to do, a little more sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, a little more playing over here, a little more time for me, what comes about in the end is destruction. Good intentions without follow-through brings disaster. We can have big dreams and big hopes, big desires, big plans, great intentions, but it can end in ruin. I know as I look out here, most of us aren't totally lazy. I doubt many of us are living on someone else's couch, eating someone else's food, and spending All of our time, whiling away the days, watching TV, doing social media and playing video games. If that touches too close to home, I'm sorry. That's not most of us. However, I have a feeling if we were honest and I say, are you a procrastinator? Are you at times in some little areas of your life, are you a sluggard? I think most of our hands would have to go up. Some of us are diligent in some things, but there are some places where we are lazy. We may be very diligent at work and very lazy at home in our relationships. We may be very diligent about our hobbies and very lazy in our spiritual growth, and spiritual walk. We may have great intentions, but not getting anywhere in making progress on them. If so, we need to learn from the ant and we need to learn from the vineyard. The ant teaches us that diligence brings blessing. The vineyard teaches us that laziness brings destruction, brings ruin. There's one more point and the last point that I want to make here in the last minutes this morning about why we should strive for diligence and avoid laziness. I'm going to take us to another passage from Solomon, but I'm going to cheat a little as we wrap up the series on Proverbs and I'm going to leave Proverbs and go to another book he wrote, the book of Ecclesiastes, so just go over one book. Chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. If you don't want to turn there, that's okay if you can't spell Ecclesiastes so you can't look it up on your phone. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. I worked hard and my heart enjoyed that for a while and then I came to a point where I realized that after I surveyed everything, it's meaningless. That's depressing, but go on a couple of verses later. Actually, down to verses ten verses later. Verse 20 and 21. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill... And then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. You work with diligence. You work with skill. You work with wisdom. You have great success and at the end of it you die. And your kids who didn't work for anything get it all. He says, that stinks. And so he says, it's meaningless. And we go, wait a minute. The same guy that in Proverbs says, work and diligence is great and it brings blessing and laziness brings destruction over in Ecclesiastes says, work is meaningless? And he says, in that same chapter, he says, the guy who works with diligence is no better off than the sluggard. What would you get out of church today? Well, I might as well be a slug. That's what I learned. I'm not going to leave us quite there. There's more to the story. To understand it, we have to understand, again, the principle of, of that's behind the book of Ecclesiastes. Many of you know this, I'm sure. And it's found in that, in that little phrase, if I go back to that verse, where it says, "...so my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor." under the sun that's the key phrase in that book and it's all the way through the book of ecclesiastes solomon the philosopher is looking at life he's going through life and he's evaluating life under the sun what he's done is he's saying i'm going to look at life i'm going to to try to live life as if i were an atheist or an agnostic god does not exist or if he does he's irrelevant what is life under the sun? If you cut God out of it, what is life? And he examines life from lots of different viewpoints through the book. Or not different viewpoints, but with that viewpoint, lots of different areas of life. And in this area of life with work, Solomon says, I worked, I toiled, I did with wisdom, with skill, and I took some pleasure at it for a time, but then I ended up looking at it and under the sun, work by itself is pointless, it's meaningless. All we do is leave a bunch of stuff for somebody else and it stinks. By the way, remember the premise of the book of Proverbs as we went through. It's not just to help us have a better life. It's not just so we live longer and live better and live happier. The principle of of the book of Proverbs is we want wisdom, skill for living because with wisdom, is knowledge of the Holy One. Ultimately, what is needed is knowledge of God. To know Him, not just know about Him, to have a relationship with Him. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon, in one of the many little editorial sidebars in the book, there are several, he goes along and says, life is meaningless, life is meaningless, life is meaningless, editorial sidebar. <laughs> By the way, life under the sun is meaningless. If God doesn't exist, life is meaningless, but God does exist. And let me tell you, it makes all the difference in the world. Same chapter, chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, just a few verses later, he says this, A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? Four quick things to notice. He says, it's good for a man to eat and drink and find enjoy- satisfaction in his work. Here's why? This too, that is work, I see, is from the hand of God. Work is from the hand of God. And for without him, who can eat everything, every bit everything we eat, everything we, we enjoy, comes from God, or who can find enjoyment apart from God? Go back. it's all about a relationship with God. okay? So, his point is work isn't meaningless because God does exist. He is not to be ignored. Life is not meaningless. It's not purposeless if we have a right relationship with God. God exists and so work, it says, is from Him. Work is satisfaction is found in God and work has purpose Because it's from God's hand. We find it back in the uh, opening chapters of the Bible, Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God created man in His own image. Male and female, He created him. And then you see that He goes on down and God gives them from the very beginning, He gives them work. God created man with a purpose to work. That's what Solomon was saying there. Work is from the hand of God. God. It is not a curse, it is a blessing. One of the reasons that we should be diligent is because work is from God. We were created for good works. The New Testament picks up that thought in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 where it says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. God created work for you to do. He created you uniquely for that work. God has designed us to be productive. He's designed us to serve Him with the abilities and the gifts and the talents and the energies that He has given to us in the place where He has put us. God expects for us to be industrious. So you'll find, if you go through the Scriptures, you'll find many places where the Bible tells us to be Busy and to be faithful workers and to be industrious. And along those lines, this passage from Colossians 3 tells us this that when we work, we can serve and honor God. Whatever you do, Colossians 3 says, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. In other words, when you and I work, he says if we do it as unto the Lord rather than as to men. If you go to your job tomorrow and you work for Jesus instead of working for your boss. If you go to school tomorrow and you study for Jesus rather than for your teacher. If you do your chores for Jesus rather than for your parents or your family, He says it is the Lord Christ you serve. And Jesus, He says, rewards that. Brothers and sisters, it ought to change everything. Why should we be diligent in work? Well, diligence brings blessing. That's good. Laziness brings destruction. That's bad. But the real reason that you and I should be diligent people is because when we are, it pleases God. That's why He made us. And what we'll find, as Solomon also said, that's when we'll find enjoyment. When we're serving Him. Because we love Him. In other words, tomorrow, why wait, this afternoon, whatever you do, have your heart to serve Jesus. If you go to school tomorrow, kids, study algebra for Jesus. If you go make widgets somewhere, make them for Jesus. If you clean toilets, clean them for Jesus. If you mow grass, or build cars, or write computer code, or you paint pictures, or you flip burgers, or you know, repair whatever, do it for Jesus. Work hard, do it well, and be diligent for Jesus. Father, we needed to hear this because all of us, as we've said, have a tendency at times to be a sluggard, to be lazy. We need to hear it because some folks are struggling with the natural results of laziness and they struggle with some consequences. We need to hear it because some of us need to just simply be encouraged to keep on being productive because there's blessing and value in that. But the biggest reason we need to hear it is I think most of the folks here, most of us love you. We need to be reminded that work, the opportunity to work and be productive is a gift from you. Whether it's work around the house or whether it's work in being creative or whether it's work at a job or whether it's work at school, whether it's work serving in church, whether it's work serving at home, whether it's work in serving our neighbors and helping our neighbor, whatever it is, if we do it for you, It honors You. May that transform everything we do today, tomorrow, this week, throughout the rest of our lives until Jesus comes back. In His name we ask it. Amen.